Hello, Village. You're listening to Heal, Grow, Thrive, the podcast hosted by Forward Promise. If you don't know us, we're social change advocates focused on reclaiming the humanity of boys and young men of color and supporting the villages that nurture them. In our podcast, we'll talk with direct service practitioners, young people, researchers, and leaders in philanthropy, offering a deeper understanding of both the issues facing boys and young men of color and quality solutions for their healing, growing, and thriving. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome listeners. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Heal, Grow, Thrive, a podcast of Forward Promise. Standing in once again for our host, Dr. Rhonda Bryant, I'm Kelly Doolin, Director of Leadership and Learning for Forward Promise. And we're excited to be back with another episode in our summer youth series, amplifying the voices of young and emerging change makers. We have another phenomenal guest with us today, but before I tell you about them, if you haven't already, please go ahead and download or subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and join us as we disrupt dehumanization by sharing this episode of the Heal, Grow, Thrive podcast wherever you share things. Now about our guest. Ifoma Okeke is a senior public health science major at the University of Maryland. She is currently part of several campus organizations, including Honors Ambassadors and the Charles R. Drew Pre-Health Society. In the future, Ifoma plans to become a pediatrician and advocate for maternal and child health. With us again to moderate this conversation is Mariah Group intern Bakari Reyes. Let's turn it over to Bakari. My name is Bakari Reyes, um, and I'm going to go ahead and allow Miss Ifoma to go ahead and introduce herself a little bit further. I know Miss Kelly gave you a wonderful introduction, uh, and if you want to go ahead and uh, tell us anything about yourself you feel like you want to share, things about yourself you would like to share. Hmm. Well, I guess one thing that wasn't mentioned is in my free time, I really love to draw as, well, no one can see it behind me, but I have a lot of pictures that um, I love to draw people from references, just draw like friends, family, celebrities, things like that. It really gives me a lot of like peace in my downtime, just like focusing on something continuously. That's something not everyone knows about me. Okay. So you got a little button artist over here. All right now. <laughs> Would love to see it. Well, again, I appreciate you, Ms. Afoma, for taking the time to speak with us today. Um, so we're going to get into conversation and I want to talk a bit about you. So we understand that you are currently a rising senior at it's the University of Maryland, correct? Yes. Awesome. And so what are some of, I guess, your significant experiences and maybe any other organizational affiliations you've had during your time at the university? You know, briefly mentioned the ambassadors and the Charles R. Drew Prehealth uh, Society. But like if there's any other organizations or even some of your work within those organizations uh, that you'd like to talk about. Sure. So during my time at UMD, I've been in the honors college. The specific one that I was in is honors humanities. So being in honors humanities is basically like kind of a small college within like the bigger UMD atmosphere. It kind of gives you like a liberal arts kind of feel throughout because I got to take like humanities based classes and kind of escape from like pre-med focus like science courses and everything just to read books. I got to draw 
and do things like that. And I met some really cool people throughout that. And it was just a really small, like tight knit community. And even beyond that, like some of the other organizations I've been a part of were FEED, which is like a organization focused on addressing food insecurity. And through that, I was able to learn about the Food Equity Council, which I interned at for um, the duration of like last year with the pandemic. And I also got to be a part of a modeling team actually. And it just gave me another kind of like escape to be more creative and to just like really work with a team and meet new people, especially throughout my first year at the school. So those are really nice to be a part of. That's pretty awesome. You stay pretty active. Yeah, I try. <laughs> That's a really good thing. So um, let's go ahead and dive into some of your work with the Charles R. Drew Pre-Health Society. And I'm just gonna call them the Pre-Health Society just going on out. But um, if you want to share maybe more about what your work is with them or uh, I guess what your role is within the organization and what you all do. So as a member of the Pre-Health Society, it's actually one of my, my more recent experiences. I kind of joined like during that transition period to the like online environment. So um, being a part of that has given me like an opportunity to make more pre-med like a more supportive pre-med like friend community because like throughout like my science classes like things really feel competitive and kind of cutthroat but being a part of Charles R. Drew Pre-Health Society especially because it's so many like people of color people who look like me like just pursuing medicine in different fields like it really gives me like a chance to meet other people who are like-minded like me and just see like if other people can succeed in these fields, like so can I, it really inspires me to keep moving forward. And um, being in Charles R. Drew has also given me the chance to do some community service. Like through, throughout the, I think it was the winter. Yeah, it was the winter of this year. I was able to make some children's activities for a nearby hospital. And again, like I keep mentioning like creativity, like I look for things that give me the chance to be creative because it's not always possible to do that when you're like taking science courses all the time. So it was really nice to be able to do that in the organization. That's what's up, okay. No, we love, we love to see our young people out here being active in the community using that, that creative energy. Man especially as college students, I feel like we oftentimes, you know, you end up being stuck in that rhythm, that bubble of everything you're studying and everything you're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. so, all of a sudden that feels like that's just all of you. That's your entire life. It, like takes over your identity. I know. So, so um, in terms of your career profession right now, my understanding is that you are aspiring pediatrician, correct? Yes, I am. Love to see it. Love to see it. So as a person of color, especially, do you have thoughts just about, I guess, the health of people in general, especially considering the fact that as we are right now, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, which I would assume is a first for the both of us. Um, so it's one of those things where I guess I just want to see maybe how do you feel about it? What what are some of your thoughts uh, surrounding it, especially um, getting more specific when it comes to people of color that are dying disproportionately from COVID, like, you know, what are your thoughts just in general um, in those within our communities about what's going on within our communities? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think the disproportionate rate that people of color 
are experiencing COVID-19, it really stems from like underlying issues in society. Cause I'm a public health science major. So like we always look at disparities and stuff that are going on. So I think with this current pandemic, it really revealed like issues such as like food insecurity, um, people of color being uninsured, people of color being more likely to be frontline workers, like all those things kind of compound into like these bigger effects that we see with more people dying and getting more severe complications from COVID-19. Like I'll go into the example of like food insecurity, like people of color are more likely to, at least I know in Prince George's County to live in food deserts and in living in these food deserts where they can't access like as many healthy, fresh foods, like they may turn to more um, unhealthy foods. And in turn, this leads to more chronic diseases. And with more chronic diseases, you get these more severe complications if someone gets COVID-19. But I think especially now with the vaccines being so available, a lot of the deaths can be prevented more so than like last year when we didn't have the privilege of having these vaccines. So it really comes down to just educating people about the effectiveness of these vaccines and just like removing this distrust. Cause I think it's a lot of just lack of knowledge, like a lot of the misinformation that's been circulating because people understandably have fears because this is a new, because like the vaccine is new and everything, but as long as they just know that they're safe, they have been tested, like it's just important to get that information out there to help to lower these rates, the disproportionate rate that people of color are being affected. I definitely hear you there. So, and I've seen like, you know, especially um, I'm here in the South, and you'll see a lot of mistrust just amongst uh, African-Americans in general. Like historically, you've had so many instances in which we've been wronged health-wise, right? Like there's the whole, of course, the whole syphilis experiment so many people know about. Um, and then there was a doctor whose name I don't remember. I know there's a statue of him in the Capitol um, where essentially he did a whole lot of experimentation on Black women, molesting them, raping them, torturing them. And I think it was all in the name of trying to find a cure for some sort some sort of, I guess, genitalic disease or something of that. And I don't remember all the details, but I'm just thinking about just so many ways in which like as black people, I can understand there being a level of distrust. And at the same time, you know, yeah. we have to be able to balance that with like understanding our own well-being, you know, mm-hmm. especially understanding public health. And so I definitely like the fact that, you know, that you mentioned that emphasis needing to be created around educating, you know, yeah. so and especially, I guess, going into the mistrust around the healthcare system, especially within our communities, um, that often leads to our avoidance of seeking that care that we need in general. Um, and so I don't know if you feel like there are ways you've considered um, now, what you can do now, or things you plan to do um, in your future career, where you feel as though you can combat some of these uh some of these negative narratives, some of the mistrust that we have and that general avoiding of us taking care of ourselves or seeking health care, you know, if there's anything you feel like you'd like to speak on on that. Um, well, that's a really good question. So in trying to combat like that mistrust, I think a lot of it lies in kind of educating the next generation of like doctors and everything. Like when I hope that when I'm a doctor, like I'm able to um, provide information that's more specific, like culturally specific to like Black people. And because like, I know that in some 
like I've seen in some doctor's offices, like skin conditions, for example, like most of the symptoms and like the diagnoses are focused on like white skin, like doctors may not have the same knowledge, like on how to diagnose black people, which could lead to like misdiagnoses, I believe. So I think a lot of it lies in just um, providing this culturally specific information and especially having um, and making sure that black people can access like black doctors if they so do, if they feel the need to like, if having a black doctor will make them feel comfortable enough to disclose like more personal information, like make sure that those doctors are available, make sure that the healthcare field is more diverse in general, like to encourage more young people to pursue like healthcare, I think could also help to like combat this mistrust, make people feel more comfortable with going to the doctor and things to that effect. Most definitely. And that, that I understand. In fact, that's something I guess I've become newly aware of. Um, the term that I've learned for it, I think they call it cultural competence. Yeah. Or something to that effect. Yeah. And so that was something that to me, I had never really considered. I felt like a lot of people have never stopped to consider like how our historical and our different ethno, like ethnocentric backgrounds contribute to our perceptions of our bodies, as well as our general health, you know, like understanding that a black person may be like statistically speaking, black people are more likely to say that they don't feel a pain or to give pain. Uh, I guess if someone asks what their pain level is, right, they're more likely to give lower numbers for the same amount of relative pain as uh, their white counterparts, you know, and so just understanding how we perceive pain, how we perceive our bodies, understanding like, you know, everybody's grandmother wants to use a home remedy as the first sign of any kind of illness, you know, and that's, yeah. <laughs> that's something that, you know, we laugh about, but then when you think about the fact that there's usually something, not usually, but there's oftentimes you find something more debilitating behind the scenes, just mm -hmm. being able to, uh, you know, address that at the source and coming together for that. So I want to talk a little bit about you now in terms of your profession. So what, what puts you on this path to deciding you wanted to pursue specifically being a pediatrician? So for me, first, I always knew that I like, had a love for like working with children. Like even though I'm the youngest in my household, kind of, I've still like tried, to, I feel like I'm pretty motherly in a sense. So anytime there's someone younger than me, anytime there's a chance to like um, kind of mentor someone, give them advice, like what I would do differently if I were in your shoes, like I try to give that kind of like mentorship to those who are coming up after me. And um, yeah, I've been like that throughout my life. And um, I later developed an interest in science, like throughout high school, like being in biology and just learning more about the human body. That was always interesting to me, seeing um, explanations for things I never really put that much thought into, seeing like the um, scientific basis, basis behind those different things has always been interesting to me. And I think what really solidified me wanting to be a pediatrician is just getting to shadow different pediatricians throughout college. Like, um, I think the thing I like the most about pediatrics is the variety of different patients you get to see. Like, for example, at the doctor's office I've been shadowing at, like I could see, I could watch a doctor care for a newborn patient and then the next patient is like a 21 year old in college. Like those are two completely different areas of life. You're not doing the same thing, yeah. right? So like 
I really like that there's never really a dull moment in that you get to care for people in different walks of life. And in a sense, you're kind of caring for the parents too, because you're, because <laughs> it's really yeah. a team effort. Like the parents, because the child isn't going to be the only one who's in control of their health. Like the parent is the one who cares for them, buys them food, everything. So it's just a really diverse profession, in my opinion. And that's what really kind of solidified my desire to want to be a pediatrician in the future. Man, I love to hear that. That That is awesome. Man, uh, I actually started pre-med Xavier and I personally, I don't have, I don't have the dedication. I could, I could pass the classes. I passed my classes first semester, but I realized that was not my calling. Uh, but I can definitely see, like, I guess in talking to you now, you definitely look like you have the headspace for it. The fact that you can balance so much within your life, sounds like you'd be perfect to be in that scene. You know, when someone's going on, you look like you'll be all right. Thanks. <laughs> you'll be all right with that. Uh, so you're about to be a senior, actually. So what does that look like for you preparing to graduate? You know, do you have any idea of where you think you're going to be going to med school or anything like that? Um. Well... After graduation, I actually want to take a gap year before applying to medical school. And during that gap year, I really want to do some like public health type of research, maybe something related to COVID-19. Because I feel like a lot of the, like I've been doing a lot of research in my public health classes with like COVID-19 related things. So hopefully to look at maybe like the long-term effects of COVID-19 on mental health, things like that would be nice to do. Or I could even, like, I'm also considering being a medical assistant before applying to medical school just to get that additional knowledge of, like, what I'm going into, you know? So after that gap year, I really want to then, like, really focus on applying to medical school. And my goal is to go to an HBCU for medical school just to... um, Cause like I've gotten the experience of being at PWI. Like I'd like to get that other experience too of being around like fellow black people who are pursuing the careers in the healthcare field. So yeah, those are my goals for post-grad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And see for me, as I'm currently at HBCU and when I tell you I'm truly enjoyed my experience. What's your experience been like? I mean, shoot, for me, just to put it very succinctly, it's been eye-opening. In the beginning, uh, it was different, you know, growing up in Alabama, but I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, and it's prepared me for the world in a way I never thought that it could and in ways I never expected. So I definitely have value, like, and an understanding just how much value HBCUs have provided to so many Black professionals, especially in my university would produce the most African-American med school graduates, you know? So understanding wow. and looking and seeing how many of them have gone on to be successful in their different fields, as mm-hmm. doctors especially, and as pharmacists, you know, and seeing how many of them went to HBCUs for med school, that, that to me, like, I have strong faith you're going to have an awesome experience. So that is that is very exciting. So um, we usually now, toward the end of the podcast, we like to talk about how, uh, like, as you think of your own history, your traditions, and your identity, and how they support you in healing, growing, and thriving, which is shared with us these three things. So we're going to first talk about healing. You briefly mentioned like that you do artwork earlier, but like, what are some uh, things that you do currently that bring you healing? 
I think another thing besides artwork that brings me healing is currently just kind of treating myself more like a friend. Like I've been learning to just have more compassion, like trying to forgive myself for silly mistakes. Like I would forgive a friend. Like I'm trying to recognize more that I'm human. Like I'm not perfect. Like I'm not, like I'm going to make mistakes and I always need to take breaks and avoid like overworking myself. So just like trying to treat myself with more compassion, especially like with the pandemic and everything that went on. Like I was like, earlier I was thinking I need to work harder, like, throughout this time like being at home but I just like learned to take a rest and like take a break from like constant um, streams of news and everything just trying to have more compassion has been really healing for me. awesome awesome now what about growing what and growth what has been helping you or fo- helping you to foster growth in your life right now one thing helping me to grow is by just kind of learning not to compare myself with other people and just like see myself as my main competition you know like seeing how especially like in a class like seeing how um like my understanding of something improves from like when I first start to when I when I finish like thinking things that I never thought I'd be able to do like I'm able to do them like at the end of my journey in this specific class like thinking of how much I can improve like even later on just seeing like personal growth instead of like external growth, like compared to my peers. I think that's really helping me to see that I'm improving, whether or not it seems like I am compared to those around me, just like only looking towards myself for competition. No, I definitely can value that outlook right there. Most definitely. Um, what about thriving? What ways do you feel like you are currently thriving or do you see us thriving in this moment? What do I see us thriving in this moment? Um, I guess I would just say in general, I've just been trying to enjoy the, it sounds cheesy, but just like enjoying nature, enjoying the world really. Cause I didn't really get to do that last summer. Because I was really indoors. (laughs) Like throughout this whole year, really, like being in online classes, like I felt really isolated from everything. I've been able to like just recently see my family, like see some family I haven't seen in a while. Because like we've been vaccinated, like to just gather together. And like it just really made me um, thrive in like appreciating like what I have. Because like with the pandemic, and everything like we a lot of us didn't really appreciate like what we had until it got like ripped away from us so unexpectedly so I've just been trying to live in the moment and just because you never know what the next day is going to bring so just trying to thrive on the day most definitely most definitely and if it was one thing I definitely realized was how distant I'd been from my family right like all of a sudden, it was like, huh, okay. So, I'm like, for me, it was the flip side. I was back with my family because I came home, like, and most people went home, and I hadn't been home forever. And I was like, wow, I really didn't value this family time. Didn't value spending time with my friends. Didn't value being able to just do simple things like say I was gonna go to Walmart or go to the movies. Like, yeah. you know, can't just go out. And so I just, I definitely understand. Like, I definitely understand that. 
And like, I'll, so, I'll add one more thing. Like, in case oh, yeah. there's one out there, I highly recommend the Disney movie Soul, the Pixar movie. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but like that movie, like Standing Ovation, that movie really made me appreciate so many little things that like we take for granted because we're always chasing like the next big things in our lives like we don't stop to pause until like after we like pass that point so just like living in the moment is so important so important oh yeah 100 <laughs> percent. yeah i saw i saw it a couple weeks ago or so and when i tell you i literally it helped shift my entire outlook on just enjoying the little things man Mm-hmm. Like just as you said it earlier, ah, yes, that was that was on point. That was on point. Man, well, Miss Ifoma, and I hope I pronounced it correctly. You did, Miss Ifoma. <laughs> hey, there we go. There we go. You know, I have a difficult <laughs> name too, so I take pride in that. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> again, we appreciate you so much for taking your time to speak with us and allow us some insight into your life and share some of your thoughts and wisdom with us. It's great to be here this afternoon. Well, that wraps up another episode of Heal, Grow, Thrive. Thanks, Bakari and Ifoma, for another dynamic and informative conversation. To learn more about how we disrupt dehumanization at Forward Promise, visit us at forwardpromise.org. And lastly, don't forget to download or subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and share, 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 so that together, we can raise healthy villages where boys and young men of color and their communities can thrive. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Heal, Grow, Thrive, the podcast. We hope these conversations prompt a deeper commitment to action in the field and in philanthropy to create a society that is fair and equitable for all. For more information about Forward Promise, visit forwardpromise.org or follow us on social media. We're simply Forward Promise on Facebook and at forward underscore promise on Twitter and Instagram.